I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 257. Our guests today are Ben and Alex from much-loved Adelaide garage rock band Bad Dreams. They're making an extremely welcome return this week with their incredible fourth record titled Hoo-Ha. Now, don't forget to check out the show notes to this episode as they will contain all the links where you can find Bad Dreams on tour and where you can buy their record. It will also include all of our social details like our Instagram, our TikTok, our YouTube, you know, all the normal relevant social media channels which uh, we do need in this day and age. But please make sure you go along, give them a follow and ensure that you subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your good podcasts from. Our guests today are Alex and Ben from Bad Dreams. The garage rock band from Adelaide began releasing music 10 years ago with their EP Badlands and have gone on to become one of the most successful garage rock bands that Australia has produced. Since their inception, they've influenced bands like Pissed Idiots and Amel and the Sniffers, and they've toured with artists like Midnight Oil and The Chats. Now, it has been a while between drinks, but they are returning this week with their fourth studio record, Hoo-Ha. This record was written after the pandemic lockdowns, and it allowed the guys to finally be with one another in a room and write music together. Now, if you follow the band or you're already aware of their back catalogue, then there will be no surprise that this record touches on topics that are close to the boy's heart, such as the rights of our First Nations people, the modern Australian male psyche. I believe that there's one or two tracks about their beautiful hometown of Adelaide, but um, this record really is brilliant and it is the closest thing to experiencing the guys live. In today's episode, we discuss how this record was intentionally recorded to try and capture that electricity that they have in a live setting. We talked to Ben and Alex about recording with Dan Luscombe, who some people might know from his work with The Drones or Courtney Barnett, and how that process kind of went. We discussed their own podcast, which is also titled Hoo-Ha, which you can find in today's podcast show notes, and we talk about their upcoming tour and getting back onto the road. Now, those tour dates, links where you can buy the records and their podcast can all be found in today's episode show notes. And we want to thank Daryl from Six Boroughs Media for his help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Bad Dreams. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Ben and Alex from Bad Dreams. Gentlemen, hello. Howdy. Hello. 
<laughs> How are we both uh, this lovely evening? Very well. Feeling good. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> that is good to hear. I, uh, it is a very exciting day. The brand new Bad Dreams record, Hoo Ha, is out now. I do want to talk about it uh, in a second, but firstly, I guess, congratulations on the new record. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, good. It was a um, long time coming with this one. We finished recording it in February last year. Um, so, yeah, it's always good when it gets to see the light of day. Yeah, it feels like it feels like forever. Um, the longest campaign we've definitely had to go through so far, but I think it will it will all be worth it because yeah, um, our strongest going, I think. One hundred percent. It is a brilliant album, as I said. I do want to touch on it, and you kind of might have already mentioned it just there in terms of the, the longest campaign we've um we're discussing it before we started recording the album does have a a accompanying what what, what would you call it a a side sibling uh if you will in terms of the hoo-ha podcast yeah um well it shares the name i uh, of of the album but and i guess initially it was a vehicle for helping to tell the stories of first Australians, Indigenous people, because we'd been on this amazing journey up through Arnhem Land um, on tour with Black Rock Band and we were educating ourselves really um, around Aboriginal history and current day issues and so we thought we wanted a way to share those stories with our listeners so that's how it started and then since then it's just um uh mutated into anything anything goes um yeah but it's i guess um the premise behind the podcast ongoing was that we it's kind of hard to communicate much more than you know memes and things like that on social media and doesn't really capture we don't think the essence of what we're really about. So I guess it's another platform to try to um, talk about some of the stuff that underlies our music really. Um, and it's been, I don't know whether, we don't really know whether, um, it's hard, to, we don't really know whether anyone's listening, but keep sending them out there and Ben does the, <laughs> Ben does the production and the editing, which is awesome. And um I mean, even one one person even said they liked my voice, which is a first for me. So, <laughs> someone someone other than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the the good thing about the podcast format is that, like we've just previously stated, it can take to, up to over a year to release an album and music, and that's you know, as a band, that's your major vehicle to, or you know, that's your art, and that's how you. Um, um, put yourself forward through your lyrics and your, your songs. But, yeah, the, the immediacy of the podcast is what really entices us that we can, you know, have conversations with people in the music industry that we like and can sort of, if I get, get pull my finger out in time, we can get it out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've. I think we've kind of done our dash with the uh, the traditional album cycle and, yeah, I think we from now on, 
in all things, including music, there's going to be a lot quicker transition from from farm to table. Um, Bum to phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to us anymore, not being with the technology that's at our disposal, not being able to just make stuff and put it out quicker. So, yeah, watch this space, I guess. Look, I know um, that there are quite a few people listening just to touch on what you mentioned before. I think that um, we, I know that you're Adelaide-based boys. Well, I know, Alex, um, we discussed before as well, uh, based just outside of Bendigo. But here in Adelaide, there is a lot of people that talk about it. I've spoken to interstate people about it. And it is um, an incredible, anyone who hasn't listened to the details along with the album, we'll put the podcast details in the show notes for this episode um, but it does have some incredible guests, as you mentioned, First Nations um, uh, personalities and then t- telling their stories. And then there's um, Fitzy, I think Scott from Pavement um, made an appearance recently as well, which incredible episode. So look, very excited for whatever kind of journey that takes you on as well. Very excited to see where it goes. <laughs> oh, thanks. Of course. Uh, as we mentioned, there is a brand new album, Hoo-Ha!, I feel like I have to say it as well with that kind of punctuation. Is the punctuation correct with the exclamation point? It's up to the. It's up to your interpretation. I mean, that you've <laughs> got to, it's had a few iterations in popular culture, like there's the Albert Ben Simon, which you know as an Adelaide person, I guess if you're old mm-hmm. enough, no hoo ha. And then there's the Michael, <laughs> um, the scent of a woman, um, Pacino, he, and he was more of a hoo <laughs> um, Yeah, so you can. Chuck it out there however you want. That was... And the, Ben actually came up with the... We were in the little ha- Airbnb when we were recording and um, in one of in the song New Breeze, Ben ad-libbed this hee-haw, the lyrics hee-haw, and we were talking about, we were talking about it. I said, oh, I really liked it when you did hee-haw. And Ben, and I, was, I said, oh, it's a shame um, we can't call the album that because obviously there's a birthday party EP... I think of the same name. And then Ben's like, oh, why don't we call it hoo-ha? We're like, that's it. <laughs> Brilliant thinking by yourself there, Ben. Well, then we finished our tubs of ice cream and played FIFA all night. <laughs> <laughs> this brand new record is the is the fourth in the um, discography of Bad Dreams and as I said, it is a brilliant record. It is, I, I want to touch on the recording, the production, and everything in a little bit. It is the first record since 2017, I think, Doomsday Ballet was um, 2017, which is obviously, I think, the longest time between drinks for Bad Dreams fans. Was that um, not a, a conscious decision, but I guess what was the thinking behind having it come out now in um, in 2023? It was 2019, I think, um, Doomsday Ballet, but still, it still is a, still four years. Um, I think the simple that answer to that really is COVID. Uh, we just, you know, we couldn't, we were in separate um, states, so we couldn't really, unlike some bands, we, we couldn't really um, do stuff together. And, um, yeah, and it was all, you know, it was just all stop-start really annoying so we there was no real it was really quite hard to be creative I found anyway like when we when COVID started we were in on tour in England and that got sort of cut short 
and we had to come back and go into quarantine. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm just going to like record music nonstop for two weeks and we'll make 17 albums. But I quickly found that that sort of lockdown life didn't lend itself at all to me to, to um, being that creative. And um, it was kind of only once we managed to get out and start playing shows and be able to see each other that it felt like the right vibe to record um, an album. And it, But, in fact, Ben and I had written quite a lot of other songs that were mainly written in our home studios and um, we sort of started recording another album, which was quite a different flavour, um, which will will probably come out later this year. But it did, that didn't feel like the right thing to do to bring the band back together and and what we wanted to, the one that we wanted to do to, once we got back together was, you know, more classic bad dreams, I guess, just doing what we, what comes easily, which is um, rock and roll playing in the room together. Um, and then once we were able to do that, yeah, all, all came fairly easily. 100%. Was there, I guess, any, because I feel that a number of musicians we've spoken to during that period, there were attempts at, you know, trying things virtually or having the, um, yeah, the jamming in four different locations. Was that ever attempted or was it just something that's not, conju- was it not conducive? But like well, we, did, didn't yeah, work. we sort of had had like a album demoed and, um, but it was more, yeah, it wasn't, it was, people weren't really on the same page about the songs because um, we hadn't, you know, been playing and we hadn't been able to play them with the other guys and so um we sort of parked that we did try to um we did try to do a a live session between adelaide and melbourne at one point but it just from the first 10 minutes you realize it's not going to work yeah yeah you try to do everything you can but yeah i mean nothing really can there's just nothing compares with being in a room playing together to create really you can come with ideas but there's a ceiling to doing everything on a laptop one thing i've learned over many years of writing songs as much as um i mean you know it might it may not like it if the if the vibe's not right whether it's with by when whether you're by yourself or with other people then it's not you know it's best just to down tools because you can spend <laughs> You know, I know from the way that I work, I could write a good song in three minutes um, if the, you know, the mindset and the time and the vibe is right. But I, and I could spend three weeks, but I could also spend three weeks on a song that's crap. Um, so I've kind of, even though it goes against my personality, like I like to do things and get things done, but you kind of can be wasting your time. And that I guess that's what we found in COVID. It was even though I had the time to be writing music, like a lot of it I didn't think was very good because there was it was just not the right, wasn't in the right headspace. And then, in fact, there was one day when it was become, the whole thing was coming sort of close to coming to an end and um, I went for a walk through the bushland behind my place and came back and I was just, yeah, like it was, the time was right. And I think I wrote the ideas to Jack, Mansfield and 
see you tomorrow in about 10 minutes. Just like, because yeah, came back and it was actually around the time when um, both Pissed Idiots um, or Pissed Idiots had released their album and I'd helped do the pre-production for that. So I'd, I think I was listening to it and I was like, oh yeah, this is, <laughs> I was, I was, um, spurred by the spirit of Australian rock and roll. I really like Pissed Idiot songs and it was really great to listen to that album that I'd had some involvement in and then, yeah, just came back and, and yeah, so I think it's sometimes better to bide your time until, um, until you know you're in the right mindset. Otherwise you can end up going down false paths and, and I think producing stuff, it's not as good. I mean, you hear, and this is different for everyone, you hear the, the likes of, you know, Nick Cave, he's like, oh, I go to my office each day and I sit down and I write songs from nine to five and um, I'm sure there's some utility in that, but um, I guess um, for me, without having the luxury to be able to spend all day as a, as a professional musician, like I know that sometimes it's best just to do something else and wait till you're ready to strike. 100 percent with i guess with the songwriting within the band and between the two of you is that a normal process that you'll you'll i guess uh i, I want to say almost spit out songs because it sounds like three in one afternoon is quite a prolific afternoon for, for yourself is that um i guess a normal process for the band in terms of both of you respectively bringing songs in or is it? the band, we're, Ben and I are very lucky in that the band basically started around um, us writing, like before Bad Dreams existed, um, Ben and I started doing songs together and um, we've always had a very fortunate um, relationship in that we, you know, are sort of on the same page without really having to try to be on the same page and we have trust um, in what we're doing because, like, which need is is required a lot because Ben, you know, in in a lot of the songs I'll write, um, like, the, the bulk of the lyrics, but then Ben has to sing them and deliver them and um, that's a pretty unique way to do things. It's certainly been done before. And then other songs, Ben um, will, you know, write the basis of them and then I'll, like, sometimes help or finish off the lyrics or change the lyrics. And, yeah, that's um, – so I guess the um, initial idea, like, for example, for those songs is is quick, but I almost intentionally leave them rough, like, um, because I know that they're going to – Ben and I are going to work on them together. So I don't want to push them to a place where they're set in stone because I know that I want to have Ben's input and see. I mean, I have a pretty good idea about what sort of lyrics and vocal things are going to suit um, like Ben, but also I want to have flexibility to be able to take it where where he can take it. And same with, like, the arrangements and stuff. Like, I, I want to be able to when we take it to the band, for example, um, I don't want, it doesn't really work that well. If I, if I'm like totally dictating every single note or drum beat, every person plays, like people need a little bit of license to, um, to, to bring their own thing to it. So the initial idea 
can be very quick and then the rest of the process. And, yeah, in songwriting it's like that. it's 90% of the process can take three minutes, 10% could take three months yeah. because sometimes, sometimes you're lucky and take it to the band. Like say, for example, the song Jack, All Man's, in, in All Mansfield, both of those, take it to the band. And this is also a bit knowing the way that people play. So, you, you know, I think got better at choosing what songs to do to take to Bad Dreams because um, you know that it will suit people's style and um, take those songs in. Sometimes we play it through twice and it's like, oh, that's pretty good, <laughs> you know, and, and in Bad Dreams. In, in Jack, for example, what happened with that song, originally I guess the drum beat that I'd written it to was a very straight-ahead ACDC type thing, but Miles' initial instinct was to play it a little bit swung which was great because it took it away from something that was too derivative and, and gave it almost more of what, what we thought was like almost a crazy horse feel. And so, yeah. Ben, what do you, does that, what do you say to all that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's the, the philosophy is the same. It either works where the, the idea or the genesis of a song comes with everybody creating at once from sort of nothing. And then we, Alex and I will maybe take whatever was demoed as a group and refine it. Or yeah, we do bulk of the stuff at home and then take it to the band. So um, that's primarily how it works. In terms of like lyricism, I, I one thing it took me a long time to come to terms with it as well is that I, I just, we don't, Alex and I don't have the same, writing style in terms of the words that we use. So it's an interesting relationship in that respect. But uh, whereas I'm more sort of one-liners, a little bit um, stream of conscious, they don't really tend to make sense, but they're just sort of random words I, I choose to put together. And Alex is very good at um, refining those and creating narratives out of them, whereas I'm, I'm less of a storyteller. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I would love to know how the two, and I'm sure you've probably gone over it in, in other press as well, so we don't have to labor on it for too long, but I'd love to know, I guess, how the two of you stumbled upon this working relationship together, because it, as you kind of mentioned before, Alex, it, it isn't, it, while it, you might not be the first duo to ever do it, it is somewhat of a unique kind of situation that you're in. Is is it 
How, I'll ask, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how it happened was that I I'm about how much older? I'm quite a few years older than Ben. Don't tell him. Don't don't tell him. Don't tell him. I'm about thirty, and he's about twenty. So when we met, he mm. was about 20, ten. About twenty. But <laughs> I'd moved back from Melbourne, um, and I'd been in another band, and I had a similar. It was a similar thing. There was the singer of that band, and um, I would write the musical ideas, and he would. But in in that thing, it was more he would prob, he would write the lyrics um, and vocal parts more himself. But I've always liked that. I just I've always had a. I mean, my main interest in doing music is writing songs, but I've also never felt like I am a frontman or someone that wants to perform those songs because I don't think I can do them justice. Um, it's just not my thing. I don't have a voice that is particularly um, particularly sort of malleable, so it's a bit limited. And so anyway, um, moved back to Adelaide, and uh, what actually happened was that Ben's brother was a singer in another band, and I sort of started hanging out with them and I sort of started, I was doing some, maybe helping him record some demos. And um, Ben was hanging around like the classic younger brother. And um, I was, I just sort of had sworn off doing music seriously at this time, but then I obviously just couldn't give it up. Like, you know, the, <laughs> the addiction it is. And I saw that, you know, Ben was hanging around playing a t- guitar and I was like, Oh, this, this kid's really talented. He'd never been in a, band before um and um so i basically him and i just started hanging out and i can remember one of the i think he came around to <laughs> he came around to my house and at this stage i'd like i'd moved back in with my parents and i think in retrospect he'll, he'll he said it was quite weird because like he came around to my house but it was actually my parents were there it was like being school kids again and we went up to my bedroom <laughs> and like doing some songs and then um and then, yeah, shortly after that, we, I remember we, like, my girlfriend at the time, she had this little, like, weird shed slash granny flat and we set up a little recording thing in there. It was quite weird. It was almost like these clandestine liaisons at anywhere we could. And then, um, yeah, and then just almost by accident, the two of the guys, Miles and James, who were in Ben's brother's band, were keen to come and play with us on bass and drums. And then Ben's brother was doing a a, um, a night, like putting on a night, and they needed a band to fill in. So we played that, that, and that's how it kind of just started. Um, but, yeah, so it started from that songwriting relationship. And, yeah, we'd always, I don't know, right from the start, we'd have liked working together and it seemed to work well. And then... Um, yeah, it's been great over the years because Ben's really developed as a um, songwriter and been able to go on his own sort of songwriting journey and also as a performer. And I guess I guess we both have as well, but the core of that relationship stayed pretty constant, um, even though, like, the music we might have been writing at the very start was a little bit different, but we've always been able to, whenever we've come together, like, we've basically never had an argument over songs or anything like that. Just, you know, might have, might disagree or um, not share exactly the same 
taste on everything we do, but it's usually we just are able to work well together, which is which is awesome, actually. That is very very good to hear. I would um I'd love to know who's if we're talking about maybe choices in in different parts of the song or in the songwriting. Whose choice was it on this new record? There is a track called No Island and there are some beautiful acoustic guitars during the verse. Who? It's Na- Nashville, Nashville tuning. That was Dan Luscombe's idea, I think. Um, is it, wasn't it, Camo? Yeah. Nashville it, tuning, yeah. Yeah, was that, yeah, who put the acoustics in there or? I was going to say who who yeah. fought for the acoustics in the uh, in the verses for that song because uh, they're they're beautiful beautiful acoustics in there. It's a, yeah that was um that was Dan Luscombe's idea. There was a guitar at the studio. I don't know if it was his or not, and it was in that. I didn't even know about, I didn't even know about natural tuning until. No, it's when they you know you take all the the deeper strings off of the twelve string. Is that what it is? Yeah. I still don't even so know. It's like I'm not a twelve string, but. Which and a twelve string has each for each normal string it has a a very high a high string and a low string and yeah Nashville you just take off all the low strings and it's actually the I've never really been happy with how an acoustic sounded on our songs and, until this one because it yeah it, it it takes out I guess the mid range frequency and allows it to sit in the right part of the song. Um, it's what they use on wild it's what they use on wild horses. Yeah, I think yeah. I think so too. Yeah, that's very cool. I know, as um, you mentioned, Dan Lutzcombe uh, was the producer for the record. He's worked with some bands like the Drones and a, and a number of other Australian acts. What was it like? This is the first time working with Dan, right? Yep. What was the yep. experience like? Really good. Probably our best recording experience so far, and. Um, I think that was because Dan is a, I mean, he's a musician first, I guess, and then he's become a producer um, over time. And I think he just um, understood. I think we as a band have a tendency, we play very simple music, um, but we're perhaps not the sim, we're not simple people. So we have a tendency. Well, I've had a tendency, I think, in the studio before previously to overanalyze it and um, maybe overdo do it a bit. And I think Luscombe um, was very good at just making sure that we didn't do that because the type of music we play is meant to be um, pretty instinctive and not have all the edges buffed off it. Um and yeah, he's just got to, because I think because he's been on both sides of the divide, both as a musician and a, well, well, he's probably been like songwriter, musician, and a producer. So he's very good at working out when to, when it when to intervene, when to do stuff again, when to leave stuff as it is. And um, aside from that, he's also like a walking encyclopedia of Australian underground and alternative music. Like he's played. The first band he was in, the Black Eyed Susans, when he was 19, had David McComb, Warren Ellis, Spencer P. Jones, I think, Phil Casey, and then he's played with so many icons of music, uh, Australian music, Melbourne music, uh, Paul Kelly um, and the Drones, obviously, produced Courtney Barnett, 
Um, so he's, yeah, he's got, it's always great working with someone like that where you um, are imbued with confidence because you know they have done, been involved in great things themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're wanting to work with you. You know you're in safe hands. Yeah, safe hands. And he's just a, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about the guy. Just <laughs> just great to work with. Um, and a great, you know, he's a he's deserves a lot of um accolades for like all the stuff he's done. I think he's sometimes a bit underappreciated, actually. Um, because he's yeah, he's like he's done the ammo album, Courtney Barnett, like they're the huge breakthrough albums for Australian artists. Um done soundtracks and stuff as well he's won an aria for soundtracks so yeah he's he's really good he did a brilliant job on this record of capturing what i think um is maybe the closest that you can kind of get without it being a live album to capturing what bad dreams does best in a live sense it's very visceral this record he's done a really good job of kind of capturing almost that live energy that you guys have when people do go and see you live. Um, ben, for yourself, the band is going to head out on tour in at the end of June, start of July. Um, I guess what are some of the things that you're looking most forward to about taking the album out uh, around Australia this time? I think you're right. You're right in saying that because that it is the first album that does sound most like us live and that's something we actually really strived for um, mm. and it's something we spoke about. Um, so I'm glad that you hear that. Um, but I think that I'm most excited about just presenting something new to people. You know, we've been playing a very similar set for a long time now and I'm just excited to play stylistically um, different songs for us and maybe trying some interesting things with without going overboard with some um, keys parts and samples and whatever, but nothing too crazy. People probably won't even notice, to be, to be fair. But, <laughs> yeah, just trying to um, provide that same energy that you're hearing um, in a live setting um, with new songs that, you know, are very close to us at this point in time. And actually Dan's, Dan Luskin will be playing with us on some of the shows, so... That'd be a nice little touch. That's very, very exciting. I did um, recently see you guys uh, supporting Pavement when you played at the Thebi Theatre, I think, not last month, that was in February, I think. Um, And you kind of, I think you did play one or two of the new songs and it was, unfortunately for those who weren't there, Pavement was a seated gig and you could tell that everyone around us where we were were struggling to stay seated while you played some of the new tracks. So I know that there is some excitement around you guys making a return to the live stage. Uh, Alex and Ben, we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Alex, I'll I'll go alphabetically, which seems the only fair way to do it. Um, What is it that you've both currently got on high rotation at the moment? But Alex, I will ask you first. I actually have been, I'm probably a bit late to the party, but I got NTS radio um, a month ago. That's really been revital. That's really revitalised my listening um, because, yeah, just something 
I can't quite put my finger on it, but something with streaming services, it's just, I don't know, you seem to sort of open it up and it always just leads you back to the same things that you've heard so much, whereas, um, yeah, NTS, it's, I don't really listen to the live radio part, but just the um, mixtapes or the previous shows um, and quite a lot of, like, ambient, and I quite like this genre called Dungeon Synth. Um, which is quite, <laughs> some of those shows are quite strange. Um, so yeah, I, I um, that's I've been listening to a lot of that music, but in terms of actual albums, I like the Floodlights album. Um, I think mm-hmm. that that's their band. Body Maintenance is a band from Melbourne. Um, who, um, yeah, their their new album, sort of post punk with a bit of a gothic tinge, is really really awesome. Um, split system um, band who will share our new bass player with Dion. Um, they're awesome, just like right in my wheelhouse, Australian rock and roll. And um, other than that, I, I'd been like revisiting a bit of um, Van Morrison actually. I, I was listening to um, um, and Richard and Linda Thompson. I listened to um, Jared Quarrell from Lost Animal do. Um, a thing on a an interview where he was going through some songs and he was um he played the song of third on Fleece Van Morrison. So yeah, I've been listening to that album a fair bit. And also um that Linda and Richard Thompson album. Yeah. Very, very solid choices. Uh Ben, what about yourself? Well, you can obviously you can tell that we talk to each other about music all the time. <laughs> so I was going to say NTS <laughs> as well. Um, specifically, there's a show by a girl called Suki, Suki Su, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, it's kind of like she plays modern, modern classical electronica. She's a nice little niche to be in. And I guess I was pretty, I've been pretty obsessed with slow tie as an, as an artist in all facets, um, musically and, his film clips and just kind of blow my mind. Um, so yeah, nothing really within the same sort of confines of the genre that we play, but I think, yeah, it's good to expand sometimes. And that's sort of where I've been sitting in just some weird spaces. Yeah. One of the, as you probably know, um, one of the problems with being obsessed with music for so long is that, you know, you, you do it to death. And, <laughs> and so you have to, that's why. And especially then when you're, Unfortunately, whether you like it or not, sometimes listening becomes like research. So the genre that you play, guitar, you know, indie guitar, post-punk, whatever our stuff is, you know, you kind of have listened to listen to it a lot and it's almost sometimes a bit like work when you're listening to that. So I think mm. that's why I like this. I mean, I've actually come full circle in my life and listening to a lot of classical music, which I grew up I grew up playing the violin and but I never had any real passion for classical music or not that I'd recognized. But now, you know, I really enjoy listening to um you know, I I really enjoy listening to a lot of classical music too. Um because yeah, it's not, you know, I'm never gonna be writing classical music or anything, so I can actually enjoy it um as a purely as a piece of art rather than trying to dissect it too much 100 percent. i think it definitely helps to have a 
a varied taste, if you will, uh, to be able to not even a palate cleanse, but it keeps you refreshed on, I guess, almost copying what you said and not being work um, when you yeah. are listening to, to your own music. Um, both Alex and Ben, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Congratulations on Hoo-Ha, which is the brand new Bad Dreams record, which is out now. All details will be in the show notes, but uh, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Oh, thanks for having us, Simon. Thanks so much. That was great.